me is my co-host, Caleb Jenks, coming to you from just south of Waco, Texas. How are we doing tonight, Caleb? Doing good. Good weather down here. Uh, good to be on here. Well, uh, in western Colorado, we all had the heat going this morning when we woke up, and then around lunchtime, we had the air conditioning going to try to cool us off. So it's your standard spring uh, morning in Western Colorado. So as we get started, uh, Caleb and I are gonna try to share this video on our personal timeline. So we always wanna ask that you just bear with us as we do that. So something I wanna remind everyone of is if you're new to this page or this podcast, please follow us, please uh, like the page and please share it. We wanna try to get as many live viewers as possible when we're doing this. Uh, it, it helps, you know, get the word around. Obviously, Caleb and I aren't benefiting in any way by doing this. This is just a free service because we like talking with each other about the Bible. So we decided why not put it on the internet for the whole world to see. Uh, that way we can guarantee that neither of us will ever be able to run for public office. Uh, but if you want to help us with that, uh, you can simply share this to your personal timeline or to any groups or pages that you're a part of and just try to help to get our viewership up a little bit. Yeah, definitely. There, we, this last week we had an episode with over uh, 2,200 views so far on our last episode. And I think yeah. we had about a total of, I don't know, maybe a dozen new follows on our page. So there's a good chance you watch this video, no matter who shares it, where you see it on one of the Christian groups that you're a part of. And there's a good chance if you see it this week, uh, you won't see it again next week unless you follow our page. So be sure to do that. If you click at the top of this video, you should see the link to the Bible Thumper page. And you can go ahead and give that a follow or share this video if you want. Um, we are excited about the event tonight and the title of our um uh, podcast tonight is is jesus god so this is a big a very important question it was actually seems to me like it was the question jesus asked the most while he was here is who do, who do you say i am yes <laughs> okay so let me just cut right to it the answer is yes is that about sum it up can we close this thing down and <laughs> call it an early night for once yeah, so one would think it's one would think it's a very simple question, but there's a very small percentage of the population of the earth that actually believes. Um, a lot of people think that Jesus was a great guy, a, a great inspirational person, but a very small percentage of the population of the earth actually believes that Jesus is God, was God, was who he claimed to be. And this was one of the most controversial claims that Jesus made while he was here, is that he was God. Absolutely. And if... If Jesus is not God, or I should say, if you don't believe Jesus is God, then just close the book. Close the book, put it on the shelf. It doesn't matter. Everything that you read is worthless unless you understand that Jesus was God. Don't get me wrong. There's there's plenty of good teaching in, in the Bible for those that are atheists. Okay, their lives will improve if you live by the principles laid out in the Bible, but you're missing the whole point of the thing. Okay, the, the, the point in the end is that when you die one day and cross a threshold, you get to go to heaven and be with God forever. And the only way that happens is if Jesus is God, because I hate to tell you, the blood of a mortal man cannot clean the sins off of your soul. It doesn't do anything. It is only by the blood of God 
uh, that the, the story of the crucifixion and what Jesus did on the cross are, are able to help anyone in the world. So, yeah, it, it blows me away at the number of individuals, number of groups, number of churches that try to, in some way, diminish Jesus and who he is and, and what he did. Yeah, there's, um, there's plenty of people who will acknowledge that Jesus is who he said he was. And so I would just keep in mind that the most important thing out there isn't to acknowledge that Jesus is God. But it's, it's of necessity, if you're going to claim to be a believer in Jesus, you must you, you can't ask you can't ask for somebody you don't believe in to save you. If you don't realize that he's God, if he's just a, a great person, but you don't understand who he really is then saying that we are actually believers in Jesus is a, kind of a misnomer if, if we don't actually believe he is, we claim to be. So even the demons will say, will say who Jesus is and they have a correct understanding. They realize and they'll tremble. And that's a good point, Caleb. If you think about it, when you meet an individual who goes to church and they're not sure if Jesus is God, it's like, Hey buddy, do you realize that the devil and the fallen angels and the demons have one up on you? Do you realize that they have a stronger theology than you do? So can I bring something up? Because when, when we talked about this topic, an event came up in my mind and I was, I was in public. I think I was down on main street. And I, I don't remember. There was some kind of event uh, here in grand junction, Colorado. They have uh, events down on main street and they'll have farmers markets and they'll have art shows and they'll have, they'll have all kinds of things where you can, you can go out and there's live music and there's stuff to eat. And there's, you know, people set up, you know, stands selling tchotchke garbage and, you know, whatever. So it's your typical street fair, you know, kind of scenario. Okay. So it was one of those. And I don't remember who it was that I got into a conversation with, but it was a person that just adamantly was not willing to say that Jesus was God. And they're like, well, the Bible doesn't say it. The Bible doesn't say it. Jesus never said it. And I was a really new Christian. So I was reading the Bible long enough to where I knew who Jesus was. I knew how it worked. I'd read through the New Testament and it was very insulting to me. And it was very frustrating because I really didn't have the scripture on hand where I could say, yes, he did say he was God. And when we were talking about this subject, that was the first thing that I wrote down was, okay, for, for anyone that runs into some knucklehead that is saying, well, Jesus never said he was God. Yes, he did. He said it multiple times. And I wanted to go over some of those scenarios, but I don't know which way you wanted this to go, Caleb. So by all means, you know, if you want to jump in or ask a question or go one way or the other, have at it. As soon as you want, I'll be happy to go over a couple spots in the Bible where we can see that Jesus, if, if no one else on earth believes Jesus is God, he believed he was God. Right. Well, this has been something that has gone wrong in the church for hundreds of years. And it's been something that are in the early church that they, they grappled with. And I think that it's, it's, if everyone has some misunderstandings about this, you can take a deep breath, relax and realize you're not alone because there's been a lot of people that have misunderstand God. <clears throat> I will say that before, before Jesus was here, there was somewhat more of a simplicity to understanding God as um, if the age old issue was Judaism 
made a claim to one God. They were the monotheistic faith, the only monotheistic faith at the time. And there was other, plenty of other religions that believed in a whole pantheon of gods or numerous gods. But Judaism was the, the one and only religion at the time that, that was monotheistic. Now we have um, Christians, Jews, Muslims, and those would be, and then every other religion outside of those three, as far as I understand, it would claim to have multiple gods. So before Christianity, we had somewhat the simplicity of there was God the Father, and that was pretty much it. There was times in the Old Testament where his spirit uh, was, would, people were filled with his spirit and prophesied and things like that. But I think that it was a little bit more, more simple to understand because of the idea of God's spirit not necessarily being, I'm not sure if there's really the, the complexity of his spirit being its own being. And people didn't really encounter this idea of, of this, the complexity of how God works in this way where we have God, the father, God, the son, who is Jesus and God, the Holy spirit in the fact that they are all, it is all one and the same God. And it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that. And so in effort of people to try to understand how does this work, is Jesus who he claimed to be? Some things that Jesus said that clearly claims he was talking to the Father, and yet he is still claiming to be God. How does this work? And so obviously this is where the doctrine of the Trinity has come in. And you don't find the word Trinity in the Bible. So that's an interesting thing. I grew up believing against the Trinity, believing that that was... um, possibly a demonic doctrine and a lot of Christians actually believe that. So that's very interesting, interesting thing there. And a lot of people would think that by believing in such a doctrine that you're, that you are reducing God to the level of uh, dividing, dividing him into three parts. And so in effort for people to wrap their minds around this, uh, the the, uh, council of Nicaea was three, 325 years after Christ. And that was where the, it was a first, the, first actual council in the early Christian church, which was the beginning of the Catholic church then, where they, where they, people in effort to try to understand this oneness between Jesus and God and realizing he's one God started um, reducing Jesus to a created being. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the scripture, he's clearly the creator. He's not a created being. He is not, he is not um, an angel. He is God. He's not a prophet. He's God. And Caleb, let me give you the verse while you're while you're there. So forgive me, everyone. I usually have multiple monitors up and I have a digital Bible, but one of my monitors went down. So I'm using this old fashioned version of a Bible. It, it You can't even you can't even scroll with it. It's it's ridiculous. Anyway, in uh, Colossians 116, we read for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And when you read the chapter, the whole chapter, we're talking about Jesus. So it emphatically says in uh, Corinth, uh, sorry, Colossians 1.16, we can also find it in John and a few other places, that Jesus was the creator, which obviously elevates him above, you know, the level of a mortal man. I don't yeah. know if that helps. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and that's actually one of my favorite um, in, in John. I love the fact that some of the other gospel writers, they started at the beginning of, at the birth of Jesus. That's where the gospel started. John goes all the way back to the beginning. And I, I'll just, you, you just mentioned it. So I'm just going to go ahead and read this. John chapter one, uh, it says in the beginning 
was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life. I'm sorry. And the life was the light of men. And so it clearly indicates this is clearly talking about Jesus. It goes on. Uh, where is this? The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. So um, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Let's see where, where am I trying to go with this? Um, I Jesus is first, so I don't actually have to read. I don't have to read the entire chapter because I'm good at doing that. Yeah, anyway, let, so let's not get back into that. So the anyways, Bible reading quite, hour with Caleb Jenks. <laughs> it's quite clear that this is not talking about um, just the Bible. This is not talking about the Word of God as as is simply the Bible. This is talking about Jesus from the beginning. That by Him all things were created. And without Him, any nothing was created that was that was created. So clearly, Jesus is God. He is the Creator. He claims to be God. He says, I and the Father are one. And so this can be a, a really complicated topic or it can be a really simple topic. For me, this is, it, I've always just found a lot of peace in knowing that God is God and I'm not. And that I don't have to try to put him in a box. I don't have to necessarily try to understand everything about how does one person, how can one person, how can one God be in three persons? How can he be in three places at once? And um so, yeah, the, the Council of Nicaea, this was one of the things that really, really defined Christianity and a lot of Christian theology to this day. And um, this Aryan be belief of the fact that of this oneness of God, it reduced it, they ran into a, a real problem when they when they realized God was clearly in two places at once. Jesus on the cross, talking to God, the father. Um, if you Jesus is kind of famous last words when he gave up the ghost on the uh, cross, he says, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, oftentimes Jesus looked up to heaven and he prayed to the father. So um, on the cross, he said, father, forgive them for they know what, not what they do. So he was clearly, he was clearly communicating with God, the father, and yet he was still fully God. So it's this complex thing that it's, that it can become really complicated if we try to make a theory about this. So early on, they decided that they were going to come up with this theory because the Shema, the Jewish Shema, where they pray every day toward the east, I think two or three times a day. Um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. This has been something that was very much distinct about Judaism from the beginning was they didn't believe in multiple gods. So now are we worshiping two gods, three gods? How does this work? Uh, some some churches now, I think, have, I, I, I like the idea of just keeping it to three. I think it's pretty simple. We got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We don't necessarily need the other fourth and fifth branch. Uh, you know, God, the pastor, God, the deacon, God, you know, God, the Caleb Jenks and Pastor yeah. God, the Bible thumper. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't have to somehow maneuver our way into this scenario. Somehow we can just we can just let God be God and, and we're not. And, and it can be pretty simple. But it, anyway, so it definitely it has raised some questions. And it was very clear to the early Christians at the Council of Nicaea. There was other things that they wanted to get accomplished at this at this council. They wanted to make rules that you couldn't go from one church to another. They wanted to make rules that the church clergy was not allowed to, uh, they had to be celibate. They couldn't actually make that decision at the time. Unfortunately, later they did. Um, they, there was all kinds of things they wanted to get done. The one thing that they could all agree on is the fact that Jesus was not a created being. Jesus was God. 
And that was, and, and anything that anybody that didn't believe that was, was considered a heretic and they were put, put out of the church. So that was something that was addressed 325 AD. And I think that nowadays we have a lot of Christians that can go back and, and realize some of the wisdom that was actually in that discussion. If you read it, it's very interesting. But we have Christians now who say Jesus is Lucifer's brother. We have um, Muslims who say Jesus is a great prophet. We have awesome. many Christians. Christians that are in various churches that um, reject the doctrine of the Trinity and the doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, this is a, I grew up rejecting it. I already mentioned that. And it's actually saying that there's a triune God. There's one God that is both, that is uh, that Jesus was fully man, fully God. God is God and that the Holy spirit is God. It's actually, to me, it's not a controversial doctrine. It's just that it's never put in that terminology in scripture of Trinity. But if you read the scripture, I don't find any option but to believe in this exact theology. I, I'm still not fond on the name of the Trinity just because I don't find it in the Bible. And I always think it's dangerous when we start slapping names on theories. But anyways, so Patrick, before you met me, were you familiar with people that came from the oneness background or modalism? Uh, well, modalism, yes. Uh, you know, that doctrine I'm familiar with because it's a lot older than you are. But as far as the oneness doctrine, no. So tell me um, briefly, you know, give me the headline version of that. All right. So I have a lot of my friends. Um, actually, I already noticed that I have a few that are on here watching currently. They come from they come from this background. So um, the, the uh, Pentecostal church, when it first started, um, the Pentecostal church isn't that old. And they actually, there's still a lot of Pentecostals that believe in the Trinity, but there was a early split in the Pentecostal church. And this came about at a baptism. There was a baptism at a park in California and some uh, meetings. I, I actually believe there were some revival meetings going on and a baptism that was there. And one of the preachers stood up and he said, it's really interesting that in the early church, they baptized people in Jesus name. And before that, they baptized, uh, well, Jesus said baptized them in the, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so this guy just mentioned that it was interesting. Well, one of the guys, one of the other guys went back to sleep in his tent that night, got this revelation from God that Jesus is the fullness of God and that um, you cannot, you cannot baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit because that's dividing God into three different parts and that we should not do that. So we should only baptize them in Jesus' name. And so thus began the doctrine of oneness Pentecostalism, which is probably, I think, the biggest movement in the United States now of people that would be adamantly opposed to the doctrine of the Trinity. So anyway, this is just um, one example, and this is where I came from. I came from that background. So this is one example of, of uh, well-meaning people, good people that read the Bible and come to a conclusion that you cannot be a Christian, you cannot understand what it is to be born again if you believe in anything other than this, this oneness version of God. And that anybody that believes in the Trinity is believing in three separate gods and that it's that he's divided somehow into three parts. So anyway, it's just this it's this misunderstanding, building a straw man of saying that you're believing in three gods. I was I grew up I, I was not able to sing the doxology at church and I still have a hard time to this day, even even wrapping my mind around the fact that that was such an awkward thing. Uh, for for me as a as a kid, it's just like man, why did why is this so weird? Because I'm literally singing Jesus's words when I say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But somehow I'm going to go to hell if I if I if I repeat Jesus's words. So, anyways, that's uh, that's just one little aspect of it. But there's many mis many miscommunications by by Christians that try to understand this. 
So anyway, I'm going to let you jump back in there. Okay. So one thing that's really neat in the Bible is whenever we get confused about a doctrine, you want to know who's always right there to straighten us out? The Pharisees. They do an amazing job when modern day American Christians don't understand what's going in the Bible. They lay it out clearly for us. So there are three places in the book of John where the Pharisees do a great job. And we see that uh, this is where Jesus claimed emphatically that he is God. The first one I wanted to mention was John chapter 5, verses 10 through 18. So this is the this is the one where Jesus was healing the man on the Sabbath day. Okay, and the Jews didn't like that. So the Jews therefore said unto him uh, that was cured, it is the Sabbath day, it is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. And this is so funny. The guy was lame. I mean, he's never been able to walk. And he, you know, gets up and walks and he's carrying his bed. And they said, you know, you're not allowed to be doing that. And he told them, well, this guy over here just healed me. And then they turn on Jesus and they get, you know, upset at him. And we see uh, in verse 17, but Jesus answered them, my father worketh hitherto and I work. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making him equal with God. Now, how do you know that the Jews uh, were mad at Jesus for calling himself God? Well, it's that little phrase they wanted to kill him. You see, what we got to do is we have to get into a Jewish mindset. And so many Christians nowadays miss so many things in the Bible because they don't realize it's a Jewish book. Jesus was Jewish. Jesus still is Jewish. He didn't stop being Jewish at any point in his life. Okay. He was raised in Israel. He went to temple. He honored the Sabbath day. He was circumcised the eighth day, the whole thing. And one of the thing, all the one of the things that all the Jews knew was that you were not allowed to call yourself God. That was blasphemy, and it was a capital crime. So the Jews were actually trying to obey the Bible by picking up stones and wanting to kill this man. And they, they do it two more times. The second one is in John chapter eight, verses fifty-four through fifty-nine, and this one was okay so this one is one of my favorites because we're currently going through the book of exodus right now so this one refers back to the book of exodus and what we find at the end of this book is that okay so long story short jesus and the pharisees start arguing back and forth about whose father is who and it's a really neat conversation. And if, if anyone out there thinks that Jesus is always this soft-spoken, just, you know, polite, humble man that never gets upset, read this chapter. Jesus flat out tells him, well, I'll tell you who your father is. Your father's the devil. And they get upset and they're like, no, we're, we're the sons of Abraham. And Jesus tells them, okay, uh, then said the Jews unto him, thou art not 50 years old, because Jesus says, well, I knew Abraham, and before Abraham was, you know, I, I, I was there. And, and, and anyway, you can read through the chapter. I'm not going to do it now. So uh, they said, thou art not yet 50 years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him. 
So again, now Jesus was referring back to, he was calling himself the same name that God called himself in the burning bush when he spoke to Moses. So if you want, go back and read the first three chapters of the book of Exodus and you can get the context. But Jesus was calling himself God specifically there. And we know that he was, again, because what did the Jews want to do? Then took they up stones to cast at him. So again, the Jews got upset because Jesus, they believed, uh, was blaspheming the name of God, and they wanted to kill him. And, you know, the I don't know if you want to call it funny or crazy, but nobody was allowed to call themselves God except for one person. And that was the person that was the Messiah. When the Messiah returned, obviously he could call himself God because he was God. But all these guys had trouble believing that this carpenter's son from Bethlehem could have possibly, you know, could possibly be God. They were expecting something different. So that's why they didn't think he was God. And when he said that he was, they always picked up rocks and wanted to kill him. And they do this one more time in uh, John chapter 10, verses 25 through 31. And I'll post these on here, uh, the, the verses for everyone in a minute. So uh, Jesus answered and uh, them, I told you and you believe not the works that I do in the Father's name. They bear witness of me, but you believe not because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice and know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father, which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. And that was the verse that uh, Caleb mentioned before. And what is what happens in verse 31? Then the Jews took up stones again to stone them. So again, this is one more time where Jesus tells them clearly, me and the father are one. Okay, God, the father, the one that, you know, met Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one that met Moses in the burning bush, the one that, you know, was responsible for the plagues and the Passover in Egypt. All the way down the line, he's saying, I'm that guy. Okay, there's no difference here. And again, that was blasphemy. And what did the Jews want to do? They wanted to stone him. So whenever an ignorant American Christian that doesn't understand how to read the Bible can't figure out where Jesus called himself God, don't worry. The Pharisees will come to your rescue every time. Okay, there is no subtlety with these guys. They immediately pick up rocks and try to throw them at Jesus, and he miraculously disappears every time because, as he said from you know beginning to end of the Gospels, my time has not yet come. Okay, so he didn't you know um, make the big presentation. Keep in mind that um, there's another time if you want to get into it at the end of the book of Matthew when Jesus presents himself to the nation of Israel as he enters Jerusalem on the donkey, you know, on the 10th day of Nisan, three days prior to the Passover. And again, um, all the people were singing from the Psalms and they were singing a Psalm that was supposed to be reserved for a certain day in history when the Messiah presented himself and you know, the Jews at the time didn't realize that's what happening. What was that? That was what was happening. And they said, uh, Master, have these people, you know, uh, they need to be quiet. They're not allowed to be singing this. And Jesus said, if they don't sing it, the rocks are going to cry out. You know, he, he made it as as obvious as possible for anyone that was biblically literate. But unfortunately, too many Christians today wanted Jesus to say, hey, everyone, just for the record, I want to make sure it's clear. I am God. And he said it that clearly, 
But he said it that clearly to someone that was literate of the Old Testament. He said it that clearly to anyone who is Jewish. And he said it that clearly uh, to those of us today who have studied the whole Bible and understand, you know, how everything worked. But there, there are many, many times where Jesus clearly stated that he was God. He might just not have used the words that you wanted him to use, but I don't know what to tell you. He did everything other than take out a billboard. Yeah, so a couple of things that I think of as far as the importance of realizing who Jesus is. Um, actually, for anybody that wants to join us, we are fast approaching the 30-minute mark. Seems like we barely got started. And I just posted a link in here. Um, you can click on that link and you may be able to join us. We still don't have a phone number up and working, but you can join us live on here just like we are if anybody wants to join the discussion. Otherwise, keep the comments coming. There's already a couple of good ones on here. Um, and one of these actually kind of makes the point that I was thinking of. Uh, Lewis said, Jesus must be God. If he is not God, his death wouldn't have been sufficient to pay the penalty of our sins, of, of our sins or of our world. Um, that's a really, really good point. If Jesus isn't who he claimed to be, there's no point in, in uh, putting any faith in the guy because he's just another guy. Real quick, I should uh, just apologize. That's my friend, Louie. So, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's Father okay. Louis. Think, think King Louie, like the Jungle Book. Well, wait, yeah, that's, so, sorry, that's a pop culture reference. That was a Disney movie, so you, you might not be familiar with that. But everyone else... Remember, is. remember, Disney movies are still too scary for me to, to watch and sleep at night. Uh, so anyways... <laughs> Um, there's a there's a couple of of complications that we come across if Jesus was anything other than who he claimed to be, which is that's my preference in in really stating my belief in Jesus is is I don't have to try to complicate it by explaining anything about Jesus other than this is who he claimed to be. He claimed to be God. And I believe that's who, exactly who he was. So if he claimed to be God, but he wasn't God, then he's a liar. Right. Mm hmm. And that was the problem why the Pharisees wanted to stone him. If, if he, uh, well, here's a, a quote by C.S. Lewis. Go ahead. I was going to say, let's, let's add to that. Caleb, how many different people during the Bible times leading up to Christ, during the life of Christ, and shortly after Christ claimed to be God? We read I, about it in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, that that was not an uncommon thing. But there was one difference. They said, if this man says that he's God and he's not, then nothing will come to it. Do you know who said that? That was the, high, pri the high priest at the time, at the time of Christ. He said, hey, if this man is not God, then he will peter out and nothing will become of him just like all the rest. I think it was Gamaliel, but I'm going to look it up. All right. So here's a quote from C.S. Lewis, uh, Mere Christianity. I just finished reading this book. It's a great book. He said, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would, he would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says that he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. 
but let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. He made that very clear. And he went to great lengths, even putting his own life in danger of claiming that he was God. And he asked, uh, he asked Peter, uh, he asked Peter, this was the famous words that uh, we, we let in, who do you say I am? When Jesus came, uh, where, let's see. Yeah. Anyway, when, when Jesus came to Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So this was a very important question. Um, some people said he was this. Some people said that he was that. But he was like, who do you say I am? And Peter answered correctly, and he said that you are the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of the living God. So anyways, I think this is a still an important question for us to not only um, – understand and and work out mentally but for us to be willing to declare this this was this is what the apostles went to their graves declaring this jesus who we saw crucified and raised up is is the son of the living god he is the messiah and they went throughout the world throughout the land preaching the gospel yeah and you know we can touch on this later but not only did they go to their grave saying that they went to a very ugly painful death doing so and not only that, for the next several hundred years, during the 10 waves of persecution during the Roman church, the persecutions from the pagans of various orders later on, the number one thing everyone wanted the Christians to do was simply recant. Say that right. Jesus is not God and we will let you live. Okay, Caleb, I found this. It's in Acts 5, verse 34. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. And he said to them, you men of Israel, take heed to yourselves. What you intend to do is touching these men. And he said, before these days rose up Thaddeus. Okay, boasting himself to be somebody. And there's 400 men that followed him and everything uh, came to nothing. And after this man wrote up, rose up Judas of Gal Galilee in the days. Um, and again, lots of people followed him and he perished and nothing happened. Then in verse 38, and now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. <clears throat> but if it be of God, Ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. So that was the that was the recommendation from one of the educated leaders, the respected leaders of the Pharisees at the time, was look, if this is of God, you're not going to be able to stop it. And if it's of men, it's going to peter out after a little bit. So don't worry about it. Yeah, and those were some wise words. If you if you look what happened, it 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 backfired. I mean, they tried their best to try to stamp this whole Christianity thing out and make sure it didn't get out to the world and it didn't work. Backfired. Yeah. So um, we had a comment here. Somebody said, you and your wife are one. Does that mean she is you? All right. So this is, this is a really interesting complication. I'm not sure where you fall on this, Gary, but um, so the doctrine of modalism would say that, that uh, God can be multifaceted. He can be 
three things to in, in different times. He's different things. No different than I am a father to my children. I'm a son to my father and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a husband to my wife. Okay. So in, in some way I, I have three different modes that I can shift into. Um, there's complications that, that come up when you, when you go down this route that, um, and again, I don't think it's, it's so important that we come up with this theory of how God works, but his claim was Jesus said that he was God. He says he's a son of God, but he says he's also fully God. So that doesn't reduce him. If, if he is, if he's the son of God, but he is not God, that somehow reduces him to being less than God. In my opinion, if he was only the son, but he's not still fully God. So he clearly is God. Um, and so if, if, if he's in this position of mod- this modalism idea, which is what I grew up believing is that Jesus can be different things at different times. He can be the father or he can be the son. He can be the Holy spirit. Um, one of the, some of the, we come up with some, some complicated scenarios and I'll just throw a couple of these out of there. So when Jesus is on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's a theory and, and these are kind of, kind of interesting theories, but this is one of the theories that people believe in this modalism idea will, will preach. And they'll say, well, his, his spirit was talking, or his body was talking to his spirit at that time. His, he was giving up the ghost and he was in the process of dying. And uh, so apparently it was his muscles spazzing out, but his, 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 his spirit was leaving his body. So it was, it was his body talking to God and saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because this was one time where he wasn't just saying, he wasn't saying um, father. He wasn't just, just referring to, to him as a father. He was saying, my God. So, um, and there's plenty of times since the beginning of time where, where there was conversations during the creation, it's recorded in Psalms. It's recorded early on um, in Genesis, where it says, "Let us make man in our image." Um, and uh, David said, um, "What does he say?" I should have pulled the scripture up. Um, I, well, I'll pull it up here. But where he says, "My Lord," uh, it was sitting on the right hand of the Father. Let me just find this. Yeah, let me add something in. When Jesus was on the cross and he screamed out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Something that you have to remember is that uh, the situation that was going on on the cross was that Jesus not only took on sin, but became sin. And it was a situation where God, or I should say, where Jesus was actually separated from God for the first time uh you know, in his life. It was a situation where when he became sin, there was a separation that he felt. And that was part of the punishment that Jesus endured in order to uh, pay for the sins of the world. Now, I know a lot of people struggle with this. I'll be honest with you, Caleb. I've never had a problem with any of it. Jesus says he's God. He's God. Father's God. Holy Spirit's God. I don't see a big deal. A lot of people also have problems when uh, Jesus in the New Testament seems to do things like he learns, like he grows up in wisdom and in stature, and it goes over these different things. And one thing people seem to struggle with for some reason is that when Jesus came to earth, he purposely, I'll say, handicapped himself in some degree. Jesus became thirsty. Okay, well, why would God have to become thirsty? What people constantly forget is one of the reasons Jesus came to earth is so that he could be tempted in all ways as we were. Jesus wanted to 
go through what people go through. Why do you think it is that Jesus is in heaven making intercession on our behalf? Jesus has empathy because he has gone through what we have gone through. And he wanted to do that. That was something that he took on so that he could suffer like we do. And also he could be an example to us and show us that although he was tempted in every way, well, how do you tempt God? Well, you do that when God becomes man. And he was tempted in every way that we were, but he sinned not. Right. It wouldn't be that impressive if God came down to earth with all of his glory and didn't sin. None of us expect God to sin. Jesus came down to earth and put on flesh. That's something very unique. That's what we go through. But he did that on purpose. There was a reason for it. Anyway, I, I've never seen a problem with it. I don't know why so many people struggle with it. Right. Well, there's... You find, um, you find that verse for us? I did. I okay. really quickly. Thanks to Google. <laughs> So the, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. That's in Psalms 110. Um, I could have quoted so, that for you. Yeah, I, I was afraid I was going to, I was afraid I was going to misquote it. Um, I was trying to remember if it said the Lord said unto my Lord or unto his Lord. And I was like, nah, I'm pretty sure it's my Lord. But anyway, I'm glad I looked it up uh, because I'm good at, I'm good at misquoting stuff. So anyways, this is. This is um, something that's been woven throughout the, the Bible that you come into a lot of conflicts if you try to somehow say that Jesus and God cannot coexist at the same time and that they are not still fully God. I mean, if, if you reduce Jesus to being less than God, to just being the son and, and not being not also being God, being fully God and fully man, you come across very, very complex things. So actually, um, this uh, this idea where I, I, this, I read this quote by C.S. Lewis, anytime that we re reduce Jesus to being anything in any form other than who he stated to be, we turn him into a liar. We turn him into a crazy guy. We turn him into somebody that could not possibly forgive our sins. Like you, you mentioned there, Patrick, that it was necessary for him to be, uh, to be fully man. If Jesus, if Jesus was only a man and he was a good man and he was a good moral person and he died, Many a many a good man have died. Yeah, what's what the big deal? That do? doesn't it what, doesn't help me any. If he was not fully God, if it was not actually God, then he wouldn't have the authority to be that substitutionary atonement for us, where he takes our sin upon us and he and he dies in our stead, and and is and then he's able to um, impute righteousness to us. And so it's it's important for us not to ever reduce him to being anything less than exactly who he stated to be. Yeah, th if the, think about it this way, Caleb. Do you realize how many lambs and goats were slain throughout history to try to reconcile the relationship between man and God? Okay, right. if you look back on Josephus's writings, the very last Passover that was held in Jerusalem when in 70 AD, when Titus Aspersia and the Roman legion surrounded Jerusalem and laid siege to it, there, there was a recorded quarter of a million lambs slain that night. One night in Jerusalem, 250,000 lambs were slain to try to reconcile the relationship between God and man, but it couldn't do it. And that was one year. Think about all the sacrifices that have gone on 
throughout the years because you have yearly sacrifices, you have daily sacrifices. There, Then you have the periodic sacrifices that people can bring to God just when they need to reconcile and get their relationship right with God again. And they want to offer a sacrifice to remind God how much they love them and appreciate them. So we're talking about a fire that is burned for roughly, you know, 3,000 years with animals on the altar nonstop. That is a lot of blood and none of it was sufficient. It had to be God's blood. Anything, uh, they tried and tried and tried. The blood of animals never worked. Yeah, so anyways, it is, that is, that is one predicament that you run into is everybody wants to believe in Jesus. Everybody wants to have this opportunity. I mean, this, the gospel is too good to be true, so to speak. It's the best thing that's ever happened to the world. It was the best thing that God has done to humanity since he created us and allowed us to be in a, a world where there is a, uh, you know, a fallen, a fallen world where we have the free will to go and screw things up. And so whenever, whenever we want to accept this great message of the gospel, it's really important for us to realize that Jesus made a claim and he, he went to great lengths to emphasize that he was God. And so anyways, this is, um, there are plenty of religious people um, that have gone to great lengths to try to determine that Jesus is not God and prove, prove this. So I thought I will go ahead and mention, I, so I have a friend that's been, that I spent a lot of time reading the Bible with recently, and um, he is Jehovah's Witness. And I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with their belief because my, um, one whole side of my, my, my dad's side of the family, that's the background there is Jehovah's Witness. And so, and the interesting thing is, is that my mother's side of the family came from the Mormon background. And both of these have ideas of, of who Jesus is and who he is not that contradict clearly with, with what the Bible is. So with the Jehovah's Witnesses, they've actually had to retra- they've retranslated the Bible and verses like John 1 that I just read where it says that in the beginning, the word was, uh, the word was God and the word is with God. Um, they, they translate that in the New Living Translation to say the word was a God and the word is with God. And then where it says by him, all things were made and without him was not anything made. They say by him were all other things made other than Jesus, because they're trying to trying to make sure that this whole idea of Jesus being a created being is um, is is supported by scripture. So they've actually retranslated the Bible to say that if you look at the Greek, they've just literally interjected that in there. It was never there in the Greek. And um, and everything about Jesus's life, he continued to make this claim. And so there's still some people that want to be followers of Jesus. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses, they're the witnesses of Jehovah, of Jesus. And um, and anyway, that's that's just kind of an interesting thing. And so I think you can build a whole religion about around it. And if you misstate this one important part of it, uh, there's you've got a whole group of people that are, are following Jesus, but their belief in who Jesus actually was is is confused with this idea that he was He's, a, he's an angel. He's a created being. And some people can say, well, what's the big deal? You know, what's the big deal with that? Well, you can't be God and be a creation. You cannot worship the, cre- the, the creature. It's a creator. And there's a big difference. You know, one thing that's always interesting, and Caleb, you and I were talking about this, you know, leading up to this uh, earlier today. 
Um, anytime you are around a group, around a church, around an individual who is trying to take something away from Jesus and his deity, that should be a red flag. That should be something that really alarms you. You're in bad company. You need to run. And this is the same lie that was told all the way back in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say that? That was the first thing the devil said. It was a question. Hath God said? Did God really say that you can't eat from the tree? Did God, did Jesus really say that he was God? And, and then what does the devil do? He promises the people that they can be like God. And really, right. that seems to be what people are trying to do is if we can knock Jesus down a couple of pegs, well, then maybe we can kind of get inside there and get some of the glory and some of the credit with him. Because then all of a sudden, if Jesus is just anything, if Jesus is just, if Jesus is just a prophet, if Jesus is just a created being, if Jesus was just a great man, well, then I hate to tell you, Jesus is no better than me or you. Okay, but that's not the case. The fact is, Jesus is infinitely better than me in every way. Jesus and me, if you think about me and a fly and how much more complex and capable and able I am than a fly, you're not even close to describing how superior Jesus is than Patrick Hayes. He is infinitely better in every way. As a matter of fact, the way God explains it is the potter and the clay. So you have a potter and you literally have a lump of mass. Okay, that is the closest description we find in the Bible to how superior God is to us. We are clay. That's, the, I mean, I don't know how much more insulting of an analogy you can get for describing someone to an object, but that's it. We're, we're clay and that's it. So that that is how much better Jesus is than us. He is God. We are mortal. We are his creation. We're not even close. And anyone that tries to get you to believe something other than that, you should look out. Right. The other thing, the other thing that, um, that I run into with this is that oftentimes when we try to become more than that lump of clay, which is oftentimes what the, the Pharisees, for instance, we think we're all this and, and 10 more things. And um, sometimes we just need to, we need to humble ourselves and realize he's God and we're not. And as the more, the more that we try to understand God, the less like little children that we are when we come to him. And so it's, it's one thing to understand God and, and, and believe in him and who he claims to be. But when anytime that humans try to recreate this idea of God in the, in some complex theory, it seems like that somehow we start messing it up and it becomes more and more complicated. And pretty soon you find it's problematic. Um, a lot of people that have claimed to be Jesus um, in some of these cults in the United States over the past hundred years have initially started off believing in Jesus and preaching Jesus. And slowly over the time, they became wiser and wiser. And all of a sudden, they were the one receiving divine uh, divine revelation from God. And pretty soon, God speaking to them that they are actually Jesus Christ coming in the flesh again. And 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 next thing you know, you know, they're they're doing crazy things and people are dying. People are people are losing their wives and their families. And and it, it becomes very, very problematic as soon as you try to become too wise and in, in your own in, in your own eyes and something like this. So I think it's very important for us to, to remember exactly who, who God claimed 
to be who Jesus claimed to be. And um, so I, I hope, Gary, I, I responded to your comment there as far as um, me and my wife um, not being obviously the same person. Um, and I, I realize it's, you may have been trying to go in a different way with this. So if you have more thoughts, um, I'll, I'll PM you later or feel free to hop on here with more comments or get on. Um, this is something that I think that well-meaning Christians come to very different conclusions on and, and cannot be. I'm not saying that just because you don't believe in the Trinity the way that I see it, that you're not a Christian. It's, I, I think that believing in Jesus and understanding, having a clear understanding of him is critical in order to understand and, and actually have belief that would, that would cre- create the faith that gives us salvation and, and gives us, uh, allows us to, to be a born again believer. It's if, if we mess this up, it, it can be a, a dangerous thing, but just because somebody has some slight different variation of this than me, I'm not saying you can't be a Christian. It's just, it's very dangerous. Anytime that we reduce him to anything less than God. So, Oh, go ahead. Well, you know, something I was thinking about is if you, if you were to take folks that struggle with the idea that Jesus God or flat out don't believe that he is, I would imagine that they, those same folks struggle with the doctrine of the inerrancy of Scripture. Those are going to be the same folks that are going to have trouble swallowing what the Bible says, especially when it's difficult. And see, the thing is, those of us that believe the Bible and believe the Bible is true, we don't have to correct it. We don't have to try to interpret it. We can just simply read it and believe it for what it says, and that will improve our lives every step of the way. Those of us that take that extraordinarily radical view of the inerrancy of Scripture, we believe that because we know who Jesus is. And once you know who Jesus is, it's not hard to believe that God can write and preserve a book because he's the guy that created the sun, moon, stars, and planets and everything we see. And then, so any of us that believe Jesus is God and he's the creator and he did all this, it's like, yeah, and he wrote a book that's not, you know, stretching it at all. And that's why we can boldly claim these things that people think are make us audacious. We're like, well, how could you possibly say it? Well, because I'm reading, I'm literally quoting out of God's book. It's not that big of a deal. But those folks that struggle with Jesus being God, I would imagine that they're the same ones that would not, they would not be able to say, I can read the Bible. The Bible is perfect. I have no problems with it. All I need to do is obey it. I would imagine the same people struggle with that. Yeah. So I, yeah, exactly. And that you bring up a really good point. If, if uh, you don't believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be, there's a lot of claims that he makes that we believe in, not just about who he was then, but who he is now, what he does for us now. It would be absolutely impossible if he were anything less than God. We, we are the crazy, crazy people that actually have been believing now for 2,000 years that the Messiah is going to return a second time. We believe that Jesus is coming back. And, we, and, and people have been, have been watching, waiting for 2,000 years now. And if, if, Jesus, if Jesus was anything less than God, then how could he make a, a promise that, he's, that he made clear back then? How could he, how, how could he keep that then? How is it that... How is it that we can that we can wrap our minds around this idea of this promise that he makes of a prophecy of things that are going to happen thousands of years later and that he can make it happen? Well, when he's an eternal God, it's no different for him to make that promise 
than it is for me to make a promise to my child that I'm going to fulfill five minutes later. All I have to do is keep my word. It's not that big of a deal for him, you know, because mm-hmm. he's not looking at the t- at time the way that we do. For us, it's it's mind blowing that he could see into the future that far. But when he is God, he controls things, and so in him, for him to be able to fulfill a prophecy like that, that's within his control. He he can do that. It's not like he's playing some guessing game. And yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I thought you were finished. No, wait, you go ahead and make your point. Well, I just wanted to jump in here since you brought up eschatology. I wanted to say that as far as the second coming of Christ, which I know is honestly another topic that we could, you know, use a whole hour for, something that um, the reason we have no problem with that doctrine is because Jesus said it. Jesus is God and he promised it. And people might want to allegorize that or write it off, but I can tell you this. Out of the 216 chapters in the New Testament, the second coming of Christ is mentioned 318 times. The the second coming of Christ, or the second coming of the Messiah, throughout the entire Bible was mentioned more often than the first. And that includes all four Gospels. It is talked about so often it's ridiculous, but people have trouble believing that it's possible because they struggle with that idea of who Jesus is and what he says and if it's going to come to pass. And Caleb, I would challenge you, if you read up on history, okay, people during World War II were trying to claim that uh, Adolf Hitler was the Antichrist and that the book of Revelation is being fulfilled in our eyes. And there were a couple of radicals that said that is impossible because Israel is not in the land yet. And they said, there's no way that that can happen. And they looked at those people and laughed at them. And they said, hey, that was a promise from God that they're going to be in the land. Nobody believed it could possibly happen. And then what happened? May 18th, 1948, lo and behold, Israel comes back to the land. They get their country back. They name themselves Israel. David Ben-Gurion, the the first prime minister of the nation of Israel, uh, calls the nation Israel and reads from the book of Isaiah in fulfilling prophecy saying this is why we're calling ourselves israel is because god said we were going to be here and then hebrew becomes the national language all things that christians around the world thought were impossible and here we are today looking back on that and looking forward to the second coming of christ and people are again saying oh that's impossible that's not going to happen jesus isn't coming a second time and it's like guys that was literally the last thing he said before he left you realize that right the very last thing he said was i'm coming back Right. And you and I look at that and it's like, all right, well, then he's coming back. You know, it's not it's not a stretch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if he if he is God and he makes a claim that he's that he's coming back, um, then it's it's easy for us to believe that it's easy for him to do that. Somebody commented here and said, is it safe to say that God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit is God? Yes, absolutely. hundred percent. That's that is that is. That is the doctrine that we are stuck with. If we read the Bible and we believe Jesus's claim, that is exactly what he said that it is. So we're down to a couple of minutes left here. One minute, I guess. The biggest thing that I would say that the takeaway from this, it's it's kind of a, seems like a dumb, dumb topic to, to uh, even discuss as Christians, because it's like, well, this should be very obvious. If you do not, if you are in a church or in a religion that does not believe that Jesus is God. I would I would pray and ask God to reveal himself to you. Ask Jesus to reveal himself to you through scripture. And he said that it was the Holy Spirit. It was God that had revealed this to Peter. And, and I think that sometimes Patrick and I can't convince you. We can plant a seed 
And Paul says one man plants a seed, another another waters the seed, but that God is the one that uh, brings the harvest. And so, so get into His Word, and and hopefully He leads you to Him, and and you will uh, come to find faith in Jesus as who He claimed to be. Yeah, I would want to challenge everybody if uh, if you're not sure who God is, there is an integral part of. Uh, the gospel missing, uh, which is going to get in the way of salvation. You cannot put your faith and trust in a man to get you to heaven. Your pastor, your husband, your friend, your your buddy, uh, anyone, it doesn't matter who it is. You cannot put your faith in Moses or Elisha or Samuel or King David or anyone on this earth and hope that you are going to get to heaven based on what they did for you. That only works with one man, Jesus, who is God. That is the that is the key that unlocks the door. Uh, the uh, Jesus, the good person, can't get you to heaven. Okay, I, I don't want to. You know, uh, I'm going to stick to the script here. Okay, <clears throat> can we go As, more than an hour? Yeah, we're at an hour and thirty seconds right now. I mean, I think I thought, we should. I thought it. I thought it literally cut us off at an hour. but When we were testing this months ago, it did. But for whatever reason, see, someone at BeLive TV is probably watching this and they're like, man, just let this guy Patrick keep going because he's on to something here. Okay. <clears throat> so, but the, the, the point I'm just trying to nail home is that your salvation rests in God going to the cross and paying for your sins, not a good man. And if that's who you're trusting in, a good man to get you to heaven, then you ain't going to get there. Okay, it has to be God that you are putting your faith and trust in. Caleb, with that, any last words before we stop the stream and move? It I along? would say the whole of the Bible, the whole of humanity, would be it would have been a wasted. It would all this history that's recorded in, in the Old Testament, the New Testament, all of the um, the apostles that that were crucified, um, were martyred because of this belief, would be in vain. Uh, Jesus himself would be in vain if we reduce him to be less than exactly who he claimed to be. Because if he is, like Patrick said, if he's a prophet, if he's a good man, if he's a good moral teacher and we believe in him and we don't really acknowledge him for who he actually is, it does us very little good because we aren't putting our faith in God, in Jesus, um, for who he claimed to be. So, yeah, that's, I think, the the moral of the story. Go home, dig into the word. If you don't believe this, uh, reach out to me because I came from a background where where I had some confusion on this and it was a very complicated doctrine. Reach out to me. I would love to talk it over with you, um, not to complicate it and not to turn it into this deep technical theological stuff, but to realize the simplicity of Jesus claimed to be God. He is God. He is coming back and he can save us when we, when we believe in him and call on him. Yeah, that's it. Um, I guess next week we'll be back on here again. If you have not followed our our page, uh, you won't know when we when we have these videos coming up. So make sure you follow the page, share it with your friends, um, and hopefully we will be back on here next week. It looks like Patrick is uh, throwing some of these scripture references in there, so you guys can look those up. And like I said, reach out to us. We'd love to have some of you guys on here on some of our next next episodes. So we'll be back same time next week. Okay, good night, everybody.